Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. Got a lot of news to go through for the NFL over the past few days. And uh, going to be talking a little bit of March Madness as well because the brackets are out. I'll go into a brief idea of what you should be thinking about for uh, strategy this year. But obviously with everything that's been going on with the ongoing pandemic, this will be a completely different tournament than most of you are accustomed to seeing. So we'll we'll talk about that a little bit and uh, uh, outline some of the ground rules, uh, so to speak, of what uh, the changes will be. But uh, yeah, a uh, number of items came up in the NFL over the past uh, week and a half and, you know, another bombshell today, but not really a bombshell because we kind of expected this just because of how poorly uh things broke down towards the end of the year but drew Brees officially announced his retirement today from the nfl after 20 years you know it's hall of fame career there's nothing else that can be said about drew Brees. it has been a hall of fame career the problem is is that it probably should have ended two years earlier but again uh you know he had the ability to go out on his own terms the saints were going to allow him that fortitude based off of what he's meant to that franchise and the city of New Orleans. And, you know, it, it played out in that fashion. So, you know, with that being said, the Saints moved very quickly in announcing what the future of the franchise is by announcing a four-year, $140 million extension for Taysom Hill. Now, at the outset, I started laughing hysterically over this because, frankly, Taysom Hill is not an NFL quarterback. He is an option QB playing quarterback and running a Wildcat system. I mean, this is a poor man's Tim Tebow, uh, point blank. He is going to be the worst starting QB in the NFL next season. I feel very confident in saying that. I mean, as much as I rag on Daniel Jones, Taysom Hill is going to be the worst starting NFL QB next year including the rookies that are going to be coming out in the draft. Taysom Hill will be worse at the quarterback position than even the rookies uh, starting out uh, from the outset. So there's there's no getting around it. But, uh, you know, from the outset of the contract, you know, you look at it and saying, you know, why is a guy that is not necessarily a, you know, even at the best case scenario, uh, you could say is unproven. Uh, I I think he's proven that he's not in the NFL QB, but you know, be that as it may, 
you know, why is the contract being extended with no true uh, representation of uh, what he could do full time? Here's the reason why the Saints were $16 million over the cap. NFL salary cap went down approximately $15.7 million down to $182.5 million uh, down from uh, the 198.2 last year. Now, the reason why they're citing it, uh, uh, the 8% decrease, is because of uh, COVID and the pandemic. Uh, Union reps will tell you that this is a ploy for the owners to suppress wages. Uh, But, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is with the salary cap decreasing this much, there's just been a spate of having to renegotiate multiple veteran deals uh, with players to get teams back under the cap in the proper way. It's the reason why, you know, uh, the Steelers needed to renegotiate Ben Roethlisberger's deal uh, in a certain way. Otherwise, they had no chance of getting themselves in a good spot. I mean, the Steelers were in really bad shape until Ben uh, Roethlisberger agreed to a new deal to restructure his deal and convert uh, his uh, salary into a signing bonus to give him relief. The Chiefs were in bad cap situation uh, and cut both their starting tackles because they didn't have any uh, funds for them and had to restructure Patrick Mahomes' contract into becoming a uh, mostly salary bonus deal and prorate it. So, you know, there is uh, plenty of pain going around in the NFL circles because of the amount of uh, cap uh, that has to be shed off of rosters. Teams that are in the most precarious positions at the moment, namely the Packers, who also made a very bizarre signing, uh, the aforementioned Saints, the Falcons, who have a decision to make about Matt Ryan amongst other players, uh, the Eagles, who are in salary cap hell after uh, the acrimonious divorce slash trade of Carson Wentz, the Bears, and the Rams. Again, the Rams probably have the worst cap situation in the NFL, but, you know, they made their bed with uh, the golf contract and now. Uh, took on the Stafford contract to basically offload the golf contract and and, uh, remanage a few things, Uh, but uh, they're still going to be uh, shedding payroll. But, you know, other teams are precariously close. The Giants, Lions, and the Steelers before uh, Ben renegotiated that deal. So, you know, there were a number of teams that had to do a uh, significant amount of uh, changes because they were going to be way over uh, the cap. Uh, so the Saints needed to renegotiate a couple of deals. And, you know, they kind of turned this Taysom Hill extension into essentially avoidable deal every single year of the contract. So Taysom is basically playing a year-to-year contract and he got more upfront money in terms of a signing bonus to make it uh, palatable for him to negotiate it. Because, again, no other team is going to put Taysom Hill as their starting QB. So 
it's not like he had a mu- that much of a choice in the matter to begin with anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, so Taysom gets some more money up front. Uh, the Saints get the flexibility of being able to void his contract every year and to get themselves under the cap. So that's why the extension happened the way they did once uh, Breeze uh, announced his retirement today. So you have that signing. Then you have the Packers making a signing that I, for the life of me, am scratching my head over. Uh, Aaron Jones gets re-signed by the Packers at a, a uh, so it's a four-year contract extension worth forty-eight million dollars. Now, the issue with the Packers is, you know, they spent a second-round pick on AJ Dillon to replace Jones at the outset when they made this uh, made the the draft last year. The whole point of not uh, getting Aaron Rodgers a wide receiver last year was to draft AJ Dillon because you knew you had the cap situation with Aaron Jones. You play out this entire year with Dylan being the third string uh, running back to uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams because, you know, the thought process was you're grooming him to take over the job because Williams is a free agent. He's he's going to be gone. Uh, he's going to be too pricey. And Jones, you're going to let go in free agency because it was going to be too expensive to even though Jones is only 26. Resigning running backs to long-term deals has not proven to be a viable strategy for NFL teams, given the volatility of the position and how easily players get hurt. I mean, the Ezekiel Elliott situation is the most recent example of uh, these long-term running back contract deals blowing up on teams. Yet, the Packers re-signed Jones. And as good as Jones is, economically doesn't make any sense why would you spend the draft capital on aj Dillon, who showed some signs of being uh very productive to hamstring your cap situation with jones and still not have any room to bring in additional wide receiver help for aaron Rodgers? we're back we're right back to the exact same problem we had at the outset with the packers not having enough uh, variety in their offensive attack uh Besides Devontae Adams and uh, uh, the running game with Jones, because the offensive line is getting more banged up. You don't have additional help on the way there. You don't have any cap space to bring in uh, some fresh bodies uh, at the refresh that wide receiver core or uh, bulk up the offensive line some more. You know, the Jones resigning just really caught me off guard because I I really would not have seen that as a likely scenario. And again, you know, AJ Dillon is a high, uh, high valued uh, prospect, but you know, at best he's going to be a backup running back to Jones. And that's the only way you can justify the, the deal Jones got is Jones has to be able to perform at a pro bowl level each year. Because otherwise, you wasted that entire uh, capital you had available by uh, using that first-round pick on uh, uh, A.J. Dillon that fashion. It, it, I mean, the, the second-round pick on A.J. Dillon uh, early in the second. Um, Jordan Love, obviously, was their first-round pick. And, and, again, that's another story in, its, in of itself for the Packers. Uh, you know, just a lot of 
pieces not being used at the moment, and now you've committed yourself to a flawed offensive strategy that doesn't necessarily benefit Aaron Rodgers once he goes up against elite competition. So uh, very curious there for the Packers, but still not the worst personnel decision I saw over the past uh, week. Of course, the honor of terrible, terrible contracts goes to the Houston Texans because while you can take Bill O'Brien out of the Texans, you can't take the Texans out of the Texans. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But, he, he, I mean, they did two whopper terrible signings. Uh, Christian Kirksey gets signed for a one-year deal at $4.5 million. Uh, you know, Backup linebackers should not be at the top of your priorities, especially at four like at four million for a backup uh, linebacker. Like, is bonkers. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> so like I don't even know. Uh, you know, I had to look him up on uh, the available linebacker list just to see where he might have been ranked because he was so low on the list. Uh, But yeah, he was ranked the 32nd best linebacker amongst free agents. Not not, not in the league. Amongst free agents in the league. uh, Ranked 32nd. So there were many, many, many other options available that the Texans uh, passed on. But uh, yeah. That's what we got. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, decision point made there by the Texans. But, uh, yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. And, you know, by all accounts, uh, there really isn't uh, isn't much else to say about it other than it's a terrible signing. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and about two million too uh too much, but uh you know in addition to finding new ways of annoying Deshaun Watson, the Texans also signed Mark Ingram uh to a one year deal for three million dollars to back up uh David Johnson, who's also on a terrible uh running back deal. Uh here's the thing. Mark Ingram's done. David Johnson's done. So you basically have Two terrible starting running backs. I mean, Sean Watson is trying to get himself traded, but the Texans really have nothing for him to actually come back to at the moment in terms of what they're doing because uh, they don't have a solution for the wide receiver issues. Uh, they're going to be losing more guys. Uh, there's there's no getting around it. They don't have the money to bring back uh, Wolf Fuller, uh, even with the suspension Fuller got towards the end of the year. Uh, they don't have the money to bring him back realistically unless uh, the suspension severely uh, restricts uh, Fuller's ability to get a new deal which I, I, with another team, which I, I doubt. I really do doubt. Um, but, uh, yeah, the... Uh, Texans are just are an absolute mess. <laughs> they're 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 just so many things. Like 
and paying three million for a backup running back at, at this stage when you're in a bad cap situation, uh, just unbelievably uh, dumb. Uh, you know, for people who want to complain about J.J. Watt signing with uh, the Cardinals, here's the thing: J.J. Watt's going to sell jerseys. Uh, you know, even if he doesn't do that much incrementally to make the Cardinals all that much better, which I I disagree with. I think Watt. Uh, provides uh, ample pass rush, uh, gives you backup cover uh, in case Chandler Jones uh, picks up another injury because the Cardinals defense self-destructed once Chandler Jones got hurt. When Jones was healthy, Cardinals defense was lethal. And I think when you combine Watt and Jones together as a pass rushing threat, I think they're going to be very disruptive uh, to uh, Seattle. If Russell Wilson stays there, <laughs> that that's another that's another topic, uh, talking point that I, I I'm not even going to be able to get to, uh, in, in great detail. Uh, you know, obviously uh, the Rams in transition with Stafford, uh, you know, and then you got the 49ers went that were trying to trade Garoppolo to New England, but maybe that's fallen through because Cam Newton resigned with the uh, Patriots to everyone's surprise. You know, there's just a lot of very very strange things going on, but uh, I I like the Watt signing with uh, uh, the Cardinals just because, hey, you know, it keeps them relevant. They're going to be in prime time. They're going to sell a bunch of jerseys. Uh, you know, they're, I mean, if anyone who's actually expecting King, uh, Cliff Kingsbury to lead uh, Arizona to deep stages in the playoffs, I, I got a bridge to sell them. Uh, you know, they'll stay relevant. They'll be in the national conversation, and that's about all you're really hoping for if you're the Cardinals. Uh, you're not one of these teams that are actually expected to be championship caliber. Uh, you'll you'll get a lot of press, but not actually t- championship caliber. So to me, the Watt signing makes a whole lot of sense uh, from that standpoint. You know, be relevant, not necessarily successful, but you're going to be relevant. Meanwhile, the Texans are just circling the drain, uh, bottom line. So, uh, you know, with some of these teams, uh, you see the ones that are making smart decisions, the Buccaneers uh, uh, being able to uh, get uh, Levante David uh, re-signed. You know, it's very frustrating that... uh, that some of these teams are still staying, uh, staying uh, excellent. Oh, actually, the the second runner up to uh, the <laughs> second runner up to uh, the Texans making terrible uh, salary cap decisions. The Bears signing, I mean, re-signing Cairo Santos uh, to three million dollars a year when he wasn't good. For the Bears, uh, Cairo Santos has been cut five times in the past three years. You know, he played well enough last year, but he hasn't been con- nearly consistent enough to justify a five-year deal as a kicker. Uh, the Bears uh, franchise, you know, fans are always hurt by kicking uh in general, because of the uh, the climate, but Cairo Santos is not the answer long term. Uh, you know, 
this is the money they should have been giving to Robbie Gould in the first place. Otherwise, Robbie Gould would have never left Chicago. And Robbie Gould is still a productive field goal kicker uh, for now. Uh, for the 49ers now. Uh, could have been doing this uh, all the time for Chicago. So, uh, just comical how things kind of work themselves out with these teams not learning their lesson. And then making, uh, <laughs> making the mistake uh, with someone else when they get buyer's remorse or... Uh, over uh, s- some of the decisions they made, but uh, yeah, be that as it may, uh, we've talked about the NFL a bit, and yeah, we're going to talk about that Russell Wilson situation because uh, the Russ to Chicago talk, you know, the odds lines uh, very much shifted, which caught my attention. I just can't see that one happening, but yeah, we're going to have to talk about that one at another time because uh, so. Uh, you know, we've gone a little bit over uh, than what I was expecting to on the NFL talk. But, uh, yeah, a lot of comings and goings in the NFL with the salary cap. And uh, there's going to be more friction to come as teams get closer because we got about another uh, four days or so before the NFL has to get in compliance with the cap. And then we're going to see a major scramble amongst teams uh, trying to sign quality players that are getting cut. Uh, because they didn't want to renegotiate their deal. So uh, plenty more to come, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. All right, so NCAA brackets are out. I'm still waiting uh, another few days because of the situation with the pandemic. Now, in order to qualify for the tournament, beyond just getting selected by the committee, you also have to have seven days of... uh, negative tests in a row amongst the players on the team. So we still have some teams that still haven't quite passed that barrier yet. Like uh, you got the Kansases of the world. Uh, uh, there were a couple other uh, squads uh, that pulled themselves out as well of conference tournaments uh, uh, just to be on the safe side. So, you know, I have to say that, uh, you know, with uh, the NCAA tournament shifting uh, to a bubble format with uh, the games all being in Indianapolis, uh, you know, it basically kind of turns into a, uh, you know, no home court advantage. You got no domes. Uh, I mean, well, technically there is going to be one domed arena but that's going to be in the later rounds but by and large there's not going to be any of these uh major atmosphere events uh, with fans or uh you know it's going to be limited fans you know you're not going to have that same atmosphere uh of uh what you typically see in the ncaa tournament where you know obviously there's going to be pressure but usually you would get more influence with fans uh, kind of weighing on uh, uh, referees, uh, the emotion of the crowd, kind of getting behind an underdog, uh, kind of pushing them on, the uh, team's getting a little bit tight. You're not going to get that uh, that same level atmospheric uh, uh, pressure that you would see with uh, certain uh, fields, especially when in certain regions uh, you got fans being able to travel and really – uh, boost up the numbers uh, depending on how uh, close uh, a fan base is to a particular region to travel. So 
I think this is going to be one of the more neutral type events, and it's actually going to favor more upsets, in my opinion. Uh, so it's it's going to be a little bit different approach than I would normally be comfortable with, because the way I would tell most of you, and uh, for those of you who listened to the past uh, editions of the podcast where I kind of cover uh, strategies for March Madness, I would always prefer an option of the smaller your field uh, for an NCAA bracket tournament. And by small field, I mean anything under 30 brackets, you should be more conservative. You should be picking less upsets uh, in your bracket. Uh, Realistically, you know, even if it's only one or two per region, you know, going chalk is not a bad idea when it's a small bracket. Problem that I see with by and large with folks is they go too crazy on calling uh, upsets in all the early rounds. That you know, when those upsets don't pan out and some of those favorites keep going through and rolling through, you will never catch up the points to make up the difference. So, too many folks get caught up with making the upset picks in the early rounds, it never actually uh, pans out where. You know you're getting the up uh the uplift of uh the the upset so like yeah you may hit on one or two of the upset picks but if you pick like eight of them in the opening rounds uh and some of you like go way out and pick like a uh <laughs> like a, a more than a dozen upsets in the opening rounds like you know it just doesn't work out that way to be honest now. Be that as it may, this is most years. This year, I think you could get a little bit more aggressive making uh, picks for upsets because of the neutral court. Uh, you're going to see some teams not necessarily pick it up as uh, well as they should. And as I said, not having the large crowds, it actually favors some of the smaller schools that aren't used to having that many people you know, watching their game, like really big crowds uh, that you would see on nationally broadcast TV with some of these other uh, larger conferences. So, you know, I think it does play more into the hands of uh, upsets earlier on. Now, again, I wouldn't go too crazy over it because, you know, as I said, you're looking for the getting all four of your final four picks in. So you don't want to go too crazy because if you got too much of a random team going all the way and it doesn't pan out, you're not going to make back up those points uh, because, uh, you know, too many other people are going to be a little bit more consistent with uh, the chalk picks and uh, they're going to rack up points uh, and you're not going to be able to make up the deficit. So you really need to have a lot of chaos if you're picking a ton of upsets uh, and hope that you pick uh, enough of them. But more often than not, it really does behoove you to stay a little bit more conservative. Now, uh, as I say that, you know, because of the neutral sites, it it again, it kind of throws things off uh, from what we're uh, used to saying because uh you know some of the regions you don't have the home field advantage you you don't get nearly as much of uh 
of a, be- a benefit with uh, some of these groups. So uh, I do have to say that, uh, you know, it, it, it does turn into a little bit more of a guessing game on uh, so, some of these uh, some of these tournament sites. And, uh, you know, from that regard, uh, you know, I, I think you can get a little bit more creative with uh, the picks this year. Now, I, like I said, I wouldn't go too far overboard. And that's where, you know, again, if you want to do one region where you're getting a little bit more chaos than the others, so be it. But I wouldn't go too far out there because, again, with it being in a bubble format, it's going to be a lot more uh, akin to what we saw in, in the NBA bubble where, yeah, you might get a, a team or two that uh, surprises, but more often than not, the best teams are going to be the ones coming out of it. So. I do see, a, I do see some uniformity where uh, the top seeds and, in particular, the Big Ten schools, uh, where they had the best overall conference this year, I see those schools uh, kind of pulling through. I don't. Again, I'm going to need to do more research as to uh, how much I'm going to play off of the Big Ten schools, but uh, you know, it does. Uh, kind of play more in my opinion play more into uh having uh uh you know a few more upsets than usual earlier on but uh we're still going to be seeing uh we're still going to be seeing uh uh a lot of uh familiar names towards the back end of uh of the tournament so like I said, not uh, not gonna go too crazy uh, with uh, picks, but uh, I think you can go a little bit more aggressive with uh, upsets than usual. It's just that most people usually go overboard, so it's like whatever you're thinking about doing, dial it back at that, and that's probably where you should be going with it, uh, rather than uh, going all upsets because that that's where you get yourself into trouble so that's where we're going to leave things off for now uh we'll talk a little bit more as we go into uh uh a little bit further into the week uh with uh the actual breakdown by region uh but uh quite a bit uh to come so uh, that's going to do it all for now and uh, uh stay tuned to the individual Uh, bracket regions that'll be coming out in the next few days so uh have a good one folks and until next time thanks for listening to the fantasy throwdown podcast be sure to like and subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, google podcasts and all other major outlets say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.